Welcome to the Sunday evening service at Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia, where Pastor Lauren Regeer opens God's Word each week to provide us with biblically-based teaching that helps you meet life head-on. Thank you for joining us, and may your hearts be blessed as God's Word is taught. And now, here is Pastor Lauren Regeer. Amen. Thank you, Sarah. appreciate the ministry of music all around today. It's been a blessing to my heart. Take your Bibles tonight and go to John chapter 15, beginning a series tonight on true biblical friendship, different portions of Scripture, uh, really highlighting what it means to be a friend. Do, uh, do be encouraged to take some of these flyers at the Welcome Center and pass them out for our spring Bible conference and make it a goal of yours to get on the phone or walk to a neighbor's house and make sure they're invited each night, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, 7 o'clock. We'll try to have something for the children to enjoy, babysitting, of course, and then you'll enjoy the encouraging way that Brother Adrian Burden has in sharing the Word of God, and his family will be a blessing to us. They'll be ministering in the school as well. So be in prayer for the week, and be here at all possible. Just arrange your schedule so that you can be with us. John chapter 15, before we spend some time together around the Lord's table, the question tonight is this, what kind of a friend are you? Maybe uh, as you're thinking about that, how many close friends do you have? Someone said that if you have two or three close friends in your life currently, you can count yourself very fortunate. I do believe, as far as a propositional statement goes, that our friendship with God is the greatest earthly joy that we could ever have. Your friendship with God. Rate your friendship with God. There are some in the Bible that had outstanding relationship with the Lord. Think of Enoch, who walked with God and was not because God took him. They had such a wonderful day-by-day relationship that the Lord said, I'm not even going to put you through this whole death thing. Just come on home. I wonder how well you and the Lord are doing in your walk together. Now let's start tonight by, even before we read the text, just asking uh, the question, what does it mean to be a good friend? Anybody want to chime in tonight, since the bells are here? Just tell me, what does it mean to be a good friend? And again, just help me out a little bit. What is a good, define that for me. What is, and it doesn't have to be necessarily scripture and verse, but what does a friend act like? What does a friend do? Anybody? The question, or the, yes, Terry. Loyal, there's somebody who sticks with you. In fact, John 13, we're in a portion of scripture Uh, called the Upper Room Discourse, the hours before he would go to the cross, he spends them, the last Passover meal he'll have with his disciples, and uh, he says he loved them to the end. Aren't you glad that's kind of a friend that we have in Christ? He loves us to the end, and the end is just the beginning for us. What else do do good friends do? Anybody? Loyalty? Yes. In spite of your shortcomings and faults, they're still hanging in there with you. I like that. Uh, They have what's called a blindness, perhaps. Not uh, that they don't confront you, but certainly there's a a willingness to put up with stuff, right? Yes. They listen and encourage. There we go. Good friend. Do you have a good friend? Yes, sir. Nathan. You need to be kind to them, and good friends are kind to us. That's good. I like that. Anyone else? Yes. Tell you the truth, and then in the back, 
Yeah. Look you in the eye and say, hey, this is the truth. You're doing okay, but you could do better. Oh, man, that hurts. But coming from a friend, faithful are the wounds of a friend, right? Good. Anyone else about true friendship? These are all good, yes. They take time and make time for you. True friend makes time for you. These are good. How many really good friends do you have? Now, don't hold up the fingers like the track count, you know, but um, do you have three or four, two or three good friends? Well, people uh, are friends who share our values, willing to adjust their schedules to help us out, be with us, and uh, bold enough to ask us the hard questions, and even uh, are willing to ask us for our help when needed. I've got... (laughs) I've got a friend who could call me and I would drop most everything and go run in to help him and I do the same for him. A good friend can ask you, can I borrow your truck, your chainsaw, your 12 gauge, or your best hunting dog? Uh, the, The Lord spent, of course, much time in public ministry, but his greatest investment was in a group of 12 men. And of that group, he had three that were really considered his inner circle. Through this, he would promulgate and, propose, uh, and promote his ministry beyond his own death on the earth. He knew that the investment in a close friend is one of the most valuable things you can do. Who is his inner circle? Peter, James, and John, or Peter, and uh, the sons of Zebedee, his fishing friends. Well, at least they were fishermen in their former occupation. How do we define friendship? With many silly things have been said, a true friend is the one that's left standing on the shore when the tide goes out. And I thought, what is that? A true friend is like kelp or seaweed. Here's something a little better. Friendship is not something you learn in school, but if you haven't learned the meaning of true friendship, you haven't learned anything. That's from a great scholar, Muhammad Ali. Uh, But what is it? What is true friendship? Rob and I were Recently, at a, a conference Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of this past week, and it was a pastor's conference, and preachers preaching to preachers, and so it was really a great time. Thank you for letting us get away for that. I know the friends and, and just chat with some older ones, but it was a great time. And I re- remember often between sessions, I would try to find Robin, and she would be engaged in a conversation with a lady, a pastor's wife, and I could tell they were connecting because of their life and shared experience. And I just, I just loved it because often I would just have to leave her talking because I needed to get to the next session. But the heart hungers for relationship. The heart hungers for friendship. You are most poor if you don't have a close friend. Now we know that if you don't have a friend, it's not everybody else's fault He who hath friends, what? Must show himself friendly. So don't cry that bitter song. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. Guess I'll go eat worms. No, you can show yourself friendly. But our heart longs for a sympathetic ear, as been mentioned tonight. And women especially are geared with a great need to relate their hearts to others who care. And I do believe that you can make friends if you take initiative. I've heard about 150 friends or acquaintances. It's really all about all one single person can truly nurture 
at one time, even slightly nurture. Paul would name 60 friends by name in his writings. 60. That he had a good influence. By the way, Facebook friends are not necessarily true friends. Someone has said, behind every successful student is a deactivated Facebook account. (laughs) I like that. Uh, Typically, in the truest sense, your friends, even though you have friended thousands of people, perhaps, on Facebook, there's no way that you can nurture or nourish those relationships. I have a friend who will be here not this week, but the following. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of my schedule. He may be here even later this week. I told my friend, uh, it'll be next week, I told my friend Rick Harrison, who was on staff 10 years ago with us at Colonial, good friend of ours, and mine, and we did a lot of things. They have a lot in common, another trait sometimes of a good friend, and uh, we worked together on staff. He was the maintenance guy, and I can call Rick um, to come all the way from wherever he is to help me. He used to be a cement uh, finisher at his own company, and he's helped us before around here with projects. He oversaw the pavilion and other little pieces of, of cement work that we've needed, and he used to live here in in South Carolina. Now he lives in Pennsylvania. So I called him the other day out of the blue. I said, Rick, we got a little pad to pour outside the offices. We can't get any grass to grow right outside of our church offices. We tried everything in the world. And I said, would you just come help us to pour that 990 square feet concrete? And I said, what are you doing, by the way? <laughs> he has moved uh, from where he was working on a church staff in South Carolina. He's now uh, the girls basketball coach at Clark Summit in Pennsylvania. I said, you can't still be coaching basketball. I mean, we even had a season. Have you had a season up there? He said, well, it's been really shortened because of COVID. And I said, would you be willing, and and I haven't talked to Rick in a couple years. I said, would you be willing just to come down and help us um, to float that out? And you know what he said? Let me think about it. He says, my last practice is today. This was this week I called him. And he says, after that, Pastor, I'm good. (laughs) I'll be there. Really? And when Rick gets here, and it'll be a couple years since we've talked, Rick will get here. In fact, he said, I said, I'll fly you here if you'll do the work. He said, that's a good deal for me, isn't it? And he said, no, you don't need to do that. I'll drive, bring my own tools, and I'll think, I think I'll bring a guy to help us. And this is without any warning. I just, I, Rick says, I'll adjust my schedule to help you out. He's done it before, and I just could count on him. You know, all of us have friends. Sometimes we have fair weather friends, golfing buddies, or fishing buddies or drywall friends or Facebook friends, fair weather friends. But when I call Rick, he'll get here and we'll talk as men do. You know how men talk when they haven't seen each other for a long time? Rick and I, I can just guarantee you the conversation will go kind of like this. Hey, Rick, uh, how's your job going? I see you moved to Pennsylvania. Yeah, I love it. Love it. Love coaching. He does. And I'll ask him again since he's not a great conversationalist. Neither am I. I'll talk to him. I say, well, you like your job? Like your... Yes. Uh, rough year? Yeah, kind of rough with COVID. Yeah, for sure. Kids good? Yes, good, good, good. Wife? Okay. Yeah, she's great. <laughs> Doing fine. And then we'll look at each other and say, enough of that. Let's go to work. <laughs> but we're good. We don't need a lot of small talk, perhaps. And he's just willing to jump in and work all the way from... Pennsylvania, Lord willing, he'll be here to help us fix that little problem. He'll lay down a week of his life for me just because I called him, no questions asked, really. John 15, and now we're there, John 15, verse 10, there's a little bit of a a short section here about friendship. And the Lord, of course, is 
closing up his ministry on earth with with these disciples that he loves. In the mix, of course, is Judas, the traitor, but um, he knows that, and yet he still loves them to the end. And he uh, specifies some wonderful principles about friendship. What's a true friend? Verse 10 says, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Joy comes from the, uh, the, the depth of our relationship to Christ. And our friendship has some principles that guide it. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I've loved you. He's not asking us to do something that he didn't exemplify. Remember, their feet are still wet from how he has bent over and, and, and washed the feet. That was a common cultural need in those days with the sandals and the dusty roads. And so before the meal, of course, he took a towel, girded himself, and washed their feet. He says, I've loved you this way. And then he says, verse 13, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. And obviously in ours, they would see that as well. You are my friends if ye do whatsoever I command you. Hmm. Henceforth I call you not servants. There was a relationship servant to master that was pretty close. The servant simply did what the master prescribed without any question. But he says, I'm taking this to a greater and higher level. You're no longer just servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. Isn't that amazing? For all the things that I've heard of my Father, I have made known, or I have explained in the Greek to you. You've not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. What a beautiful picture of true friendship. And I said earlier, the greatest, perhaps misused benefit or unused or neglected benefit in our lives is this thing called friendship with God. That God would make himself much more convenient to us than the Old Testament paradigm of a centrally located tabernacle in the middle of the 12 tribes in the midst of one group of people called the Jews or Israel. God has done much more for that, for for us than that. And he's placed his spirit within our hearts and given us that unique communication ability with just a whisper, God is here listening. How much have you talked to your best friend this week? Now I lay me down to sleep, pray the Lord my soul to keep. Thank you, Lord, for the food. Bless so-and-so, maybe three or four times this week you've talked to the best friend that you'll ever have, maybe more. Number one, you see that a true friend is willing to serve. Of course, this is the upper room discourse. I mentioned that he says, you are my friends if, John 15, 14. I'll skip about a little bit in the passage tonight. But a friend is willing to serve if... You're my friend if you do whatsoever I command you. Christ, again, remember, is speaking to disciples whose feet he's just washed. 
He's not demanding of them or commanding them to do something he's not been willing to do in relationship to his own father. He's at, uh, at their feet. He's getting ready to sacrifice his life for him or for them and for the world, the sins of the world. And he's lived a life in subjection to the will of his own father. He's not just commanding them without any sense of example to them. This is my commandment that you love one another as I've loved you. I've spoken these things to you in your presence that your joy might be full. And then he gets to verse 14. You're my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Do you understand that for three years he's been in submission to the Father? Not just for three years, obviously, but on earth. He's on a mission that will take him to the cross. He is dying at his Father's will. And so he looks at them and says, there's something about true friendship that that obeys commands, that serves, that not, it's, it's, it's an action thought. You are a friend if you do what I ask you to do. I want you to prove your love to me by doing, disciples, what I command you to do. Father smoking a cigarette has a tough time with his son when he says, son, never touch these things, they might kill you. A wife who's not in submission to her own husband has a hard time telling her daughter that she ought to obey her. Or the man who says it's best not to speed, but son, we're late for church. (laughs) Getting quiet. The point is here, he's making is that friendship is not just goodwill, a good laugh together, or a good feeling, or even shared interest, or a long conversation over coffee. Friendship has an action component to it, proven in deeds of service. What have you done for Christ lately? I'm I'm his friend. I've got church clothes, and I go to church, and I'm a member. I even pray once in a while. Isn't that enough? Isn't that qualify me as a friend of God? You stand behind elements today before me that exemplify the true cost of friendship. Are you the friend of God? Yes or no? Uh, You are my friend, verse 14, if you do whatsoever I command you. Not whenever or whatever you think you'd like to do, but exactly precisely the things that I have said for you to do. And my commandments are not grievous. They're not. So how are you doing? The friendship factor with Christ. How are you giving? Oh, that's Old Testament. How are you doing with your spirit of discrimination? How are you doing with gracious speech, gossiping, anger, lust? Are you guarding your mind, your eyes, what you're watching, witnessing? Not so much, really, pastor. How are you involved in ministry, attendance? Communion is based, with the Lord, is based on our obedience. It is not just about getting together and lifting the elements that reflect what God did for us on the cross of Calvary. But our communion with Christ truly is based on a life of service and obedience, a right living type of life. If you want to be my friend, the Lord says, do what I ask you. Many times he would say, why do you call yourself my servants if you don't do what I say? Don't call yourself, are you a friend of God or not? Do you worship, pray, meditate, love your neighbor, your spouse, bitter, jealous? Are you self-pitying? Are you greedy, lazy? Are you visiting the widows? James would say what? 
Um, if any man among you seem to be religious, but he doesn't what? Bridle his own tongue, what? You're deceiving yourself, right? You're a part-time friend at best. The test of friendship is not just whether you liked something God did or something the pastor said. It's rather based on whether you did what God has asked you to do. We are to be more than hearers of the word, but doers. So friendship is marked by obedience. My daughter tells us often of her, uh, her experiences as many of you young mothers have with your children. And she said, the other day I leaned over and I flicked Callan on his arm. Ever remember that? My dad could pop you on the, on the arm and almost cause a welt. That was, that was the best case when he couldn't yet take us somewhere. He just had to do it in a hurry to get our attention. He'd pop us. I've been popped in the mouth before for stuff I've said. Bam! And that stings. And so Whitney did that. I don't know where she picked that up from me or from mom, probably from me, but it was just an attention getter because Callan wasn't doing what's right. Pop! Got his attention. A little sting. And so Callan, three, says, why did you do that? (laughs) And so Whitney said, son, it's because you were not obeying your mother. And Cal said, oh, okay. <laughs> like, I go, okay. If that's the reason, I understand it. I'll understand that. But often I, I get, Lord, imagine this. Lord, I'm your friend. Pop on the mouth. Maybe we deserve that. Why? We're not doing what he says. And we know it. And don't think we can come to this table and throw up a quick prayer. Lord, forgive me for a month of sin. Just forgive me flippantly. Put a Band-Aid on it. How grieved God must be when we live our life out of compliance with Him, come to this table in an unworthy manner and throw up a quick prayer. Say, Lord, would you please forgive me for all that bad stuff I did? The Lord is asking for your friendship that is based on your obedience. Yes, he forgives, and yes, he does forgive instantly, and yes, he forgives completely. But how he wants us to prove our, fin- our friendship by service. Secondly, friendship is manifested in sacrifice. We see that in verse 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Uh, you want to see your real friends? Go to Arlington National Cemetery or Georgia National Cemetery in Canton. And, uh, or go to Calvary's cross. Greater love hath no man than this. He died for us, and not just uh, for us, he died for his enemies. And we're to remember that sacrifice tonight. Said the young lover to his girlfriend, I would swim oceans for you, climb mountains, honey, but I can't see you this Saturday. There's a chance of rain. We are to notice that in God's life, there is this sac- continual sacrificial lifestyle that led to the cross where he cried out in utter anguish, God, Lord, forgive them, forgive them. They know not what they do. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast. Beyond all measure. Sacrifice. Don't tell me you're my friend. If you haven't expressed that, 
in a life of giving. And don't call yourself a friend if you have not given to the cause of Christ. Thirdly, friendship is manifested or really expressed by the reliance of privileged or personal information. Henceforth, verse 15, chapter 15, I call you not servants. A servant, obviously, was never privy to any private or intimate information from the master. He was simply called as a slave to do what he was asked to do. But the Lord is saying here, in the last hours before his death, and then subsequent 40 days later, his his, uh, ongoing upward to heaven, he's saying to his good friends, this inner circle, uh, the disciples, I'm not going to call you just servants or disciples, although you are that. Paul would often call himself a doulos or slave of Christ. But he says, I want you to know the relationship we have is at a different level. I will be, I will consider myself to be your friend. For whatever, for all that the things I've heard from my Father, I have made known to you. This is a great and privileged position that we have. Of course, I started by saying the greatest and most underappreciated benefit, underused, neglected benefit, is our communion with God. All that the Father told me, I have shared with you. I've held nothing back that was used to you, as useful to you. In fact, He's given us a book by which we are to, uh, to, to walk with the Lord. God is so good to not only give us His Spirit, but to give us a book by which we are led and fed and we're nourished. This is God's revelation to His heart exposed to us. And God does that because He loves us. He didn't leave us out in the cold to, to kind of figure our way through. He's given us His Word. And the real key to great friendships is just communion. Tell me. Tell me what you're thinking. Tell me what's on your heart. God the Father could have hated us, but instead He loved us. As John 13, 1 says, he loved us not just for a while, not intermittently, not when we did good things, but he loved us to the end. He could have simply enslaved us. For like the prodigal, we were not worthy to be called his child, but he didn't. He could have simply adopted us, yet kept his distance from us. Never speaking, as the deists would say, never speaking to us, just getting the ball rolling somehow providing common grace to us, but never coming close to us. But he didn't. Instead, he runs like the prodigal son's father. He runs to us with an open arms, with open arms to embrace us, forgive us, to draw us in. He paid for the sins that separate us, though we built a wall with our sins between us and God, He is there to pay for, to redeem, to bring us back into relationship with Him so that He can truly commune with us, to abide. He wants to abide with us. How precious of this one. And this is no common friend. This is God Himself. He runs to forgive us. He paid for our sins. He could have simply called us children, but not really friends. Stepchildren, perhaps, a little bit distanced, but he doesn't. He could have befriended us, yet not ever shared with us his 
future plans for us and his immediate plans for us. Yet he walks with us, as the song says, and he talks with us, and he tells us we are his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. If tonight you do not share a deep kinship, a deep relationship that is growing little by little with this God who has reached out to you in grace, who has provided a bridge for you to spend eternity with Him and now calls you into His closest friendship, the closest kinship with Him. If you have neglected that tonight, before we lift these elements to our lips, would you ask for Him to forgive you and ask for Him to again become for you the greatest friend you will ever know. We visited Washington years ago, Washington, D.C. And though we didn't meet the president, he did send his secretary, his personal secretary, to have a word with us. Although we were a bit disappointed with that, we were glad to meet somebody who knew the president personally. And she told us a story I'll never forget. She says, one day when I first hired on, just doing my job, the president walked by and called out, hey, Kath, the girl's name was Kathy. And she told us then, as we were there, a group of preachers touring the White House or that area, the grounds, she told us, it dawned on me that not only do I get to work in the White House, I work for the president of the United States of America. Not only that, he knows my name personally, and I know privileged information about everything because I type his letters. Not only do I type his letters and have privileged information, she smiled and says, said, he has a nickname for me, Kath. One day we will go home as believers to a place where God will not be distant where we will enjoy sweet fellowship, where we will visibly see him, I imagine, every day for eternity. Are you working on your friendship with God? Don't arrive there and have him say, Welcome home, stranger. Let's get acquainted. Father, we do pray. We do pray that we would not neglect our greatest friend. Thank you that you no longer called us servants, but friends. And help us to do what you ask us to do. Lord, as we enjoy this time of sweet fellowship around your table, I pray, Lord, that you would give us um, a great growing... Thank you for joining us today. Please tune in each week for new messages from Pastor Lauren Regeer at Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you.